Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I wasn't I wasn't ready for the worship service to be over. It it was too early. But I think there was a great deal of fear because it's been so long since I've preached the fear that this would be an extremely long message. And so, so maybe not, maybe not. Hey, I do have an announcement that I need to make. God is not dead. I'm still alive. Satan's defeated. Yes, he is. And Jesus Christ is still Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Yeah. And may I add to that, that there is a spirit of salvation in this house. Oh, and it feels so, so very, very good. Now, this may seem strange to you this morning. But I want to teach you some sign language. Now, I want to confess right up front that I only know two words. But, but boy, these may be two of the most important words in all of life. And so, here it is. These two words. I believe. See it. I believe. Man, those, those words are so, so important. You, you can't get saved without those two words. You can't walk with Jesus without those two words. Uh, reading your Bible is practically meaningless without those two words. And your prayers will get no higher than the ceiling without those two words. I believe. I believe. Now, here it is. Now, I had a professional to teach me this. So, if I get it wrong, it's her fault. <laughs> I the sign for I is very simple and we all know this and we've all used it whether we were aware of it or not but I or me is this do it act like you're a first grader and I'm teaching you something (laughs) come on me or I right you got it I and then the sign for believe is just this it's real simple you take your pointer finger you touch your temple right here And then you take your dominant hand and clasp it in your other hand. Just like this. See that? All right. I believe. I believe. Wow. I love that scripture that says, but as many as believed on him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, let's dig a little deeper. And that is... That the sign 
for believe is actually two signs. It's the sign think and marriage. In sign language, if you want to say think, you just do this. Makes sense, doesn't it? And I love this sign. If you want to say marriage, you do this. That's a good sign for marriage, isn't it? Marriage is not this. Marriage is not this. Marriage is not this. (laughs) This is a wake-up call for somebody here today. (laughs) Marriage is not this. Marriage is this. You got it? So, the sign for believe is this and this. Think and marriage. Now, hold on. What this means is, in the world of sign language, which I believe may be better than the spoken language, is this. It's not enough to think something. It's not enough to understand something. It's not enough to learn something. It's not believe until you are married to what you're thinking and what you've learned. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty good. And boy, it's, it, it has had me doing some real thinking. And, and since I learned this, I've been going around and I try to look around to see if anybody's watching. And I go, I believe, I believe. And, and, and really for a, a, a week or so now, when I say my prayers, as I'm getting ready to pray, I go, I believe. I kind of look, no offense, but I kind of look like a Catholic. Do it. You know. I believe. And I whisper it too. I'm pretty sure God knows sign language, but I want to make sure. So I go, I believe. And when I read my Bible, I go, I believe. And as I'm getting ready to read my Bible, I don't just say, I believe. I say, Lord, I want my belief to be a belief where I am married to what your word says. I have a relationship with it. It it has an effect on every area of my life. I believe. I believe. With that in mind, and the fun part may be over now, I want to speak to you on the subject. What if hell? What if hell? I had the ushers to lock the doors so you can, <laughs> so you can't run. <laughs> you got to stick this out. What if hell? And here's the question. What if hell is a real place? I'm just asking. What if hell is a real place where people who do not know Jesus Christ spend eternity? What if hell is an eternal place of torment. And the biggest question of all is, what if we believed that hell is real? What if we believed it so much that we were doing everything we could in our own power, and that's never enough, but what if we were doing everything in our power to make sure we don't go there, to make sure our loved ones don't go there, and to minister to, share with, and help as many people as we can? What if? 
Because you see, today I'm confident, church, that if we believed that hell is a real place, it would send this church into a state of urgency and revival like we've never seen before. No one would have to tell us to share the love of God with others. No one would have to tell us to invite people to come to church. No one would have to tell us to have a Bible study and a, and a devotional with our children because we would know what's at stake. What if hell? Now, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is this, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Oh, friends. Please understand, this message is not about condemnation. This message is about a group of people who claim that they believe to bring us to an urgency of the gospel message. That we have to share the gospel message. So, what about hell? What does the Bible say about hell? What did Jesus say about hell. Here it is, and I'll give it to you in rapid fire, but before I do, would you please take your phone out? Get it in the ready position. Get it on your camera. Because in a moment, I want you to take a picture of the screen. Because I'm going to pull some scripture up, and I want you to take a picture of these references so that you can go home and study them. All right? Don't be texting anybody or answering a text. Here it is. Jesus spoke of hell as eternal fire, Matthew 25, 41. He said that hell was a place of eternal punishment, Matthew 25, 46. He called it a place of torment in Luke 16, 23. He described it as unquenchable fire in Mark 9, 43. He said it was a place where the worm does not die, Mark 9, 48. He said in Matthew 13, 42, that there would be gnashing of teeth. It would be a place of anguish and regret. He said it would be a place of no return. That's what he told in Luke 16, 19 through 31. He called hell a place of outer darkness in Matthew 25, 30. And he said it was a place prepared, not for us, but for the devil and his angels, Matthew 25, 41. Now you can take your picture so that you can look every one of these up. And I'm telling you, you need to share these with your children. You need to share them with people you love. This is what Jesus said about hell. Now here's the big question. When the Bible describes hell, is it a literal description or is this figurative language? Which one? And the reason I'm asking you that question is because through the years, as I have personally talked to people about heaven and hell, I've had people sincerely, not being mean-spirited about it, but they would sincerely tell me, Pastor, I just don't believe in a literal hell. I can't wrap my brain around a literal hell where, where people spend eternity. Which makes me want to ask the question, 
So, if you don't believe in a literal hell, do you believe in a figurative hell? And if you do believe in a figurative hell, then what does your figurative hell look like? Don't you still have to use the words of Jesus to have a concept of what a, a figurative hell would look like? Now, if you don't believe in any hell at all, then there's a much bigger issue at hand, isn't there? Because what that means is you don't believe the Bible, and you certainly do not believe the words of Jesus. And you should be asking this question. Why in the world, why in the world would Jesus talk so much about something that doesn't exist? Oh, friends. Friends. We need to come face to face with hell. Jesus meant for us to deal with it. Over and over. Are you aware of the fact that no one else in all the Bible talks about hell as much as Jesus did? And I think I know why. Because that's what he came to save us from. And to take us home to be with the Lord. The, the best paragraph I've ever read on this subject is this one. And we're talking about literal hell or, or figurative language describing hell. Here it is. If the words of Jesus are meant to be figurative, then the imagery is pointing beyond what human language can convey. In other words, hell, if not a literal fire and a literal darkness, is immeasurably worse than those images and inexpressibly worse than we can even imagine or describe. As heaven is more wonderful than our finite minds can comprehend, hell is more horrible than we can comprehend. So are you with me, church? The argument is not as it literal or figurative, Sometimes I, I don't know. I, I know it doesn't sound like figurative language. But that's not the issue. The issue is, do you believe the Bible? You see, it doesn't matter whether it's literal or figurative. If you believe the Bible, you have to believe that there is a place after this life where countless millions of people go to spend eternity that's beyond horrible and beyond comprehension. And church, listen to me. Jesus said, this is what he taught. You go to whatever extreme you have to go to to make sure you don't go to hell. Let me read the scripture to you. Matthew 5, 29 through 30. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And I, for one, do believe that that is some figurative language. But is there any other way to interpret that than this? That Jesus is saying, whatever you have to do, no matter how extreme it is, no matter what you have to do, you take care of the matter. And you make sure there's nothing standing between you and God. Don't let one sin stand between you and, and God. Get radical. 
when it comes to this matter of help. And I'll tell you something else, church. That if you and I believe in hell, man, that highlights, that magnifies, that underscores every other teaching in the Word of God. Do you agree with me that if hell is real, and we really believe that hell is real, that that belief will intensify every other teaching in the Bible? It it makes it all important, doesn't it? Example. This past week, as the Lord would have it, God's timing is amazing. I was ministering to somebody, and I became aware right up front. I became aware that this person was dealing with unforgiveness, a heart filled with unforgiveness. And, and I did something that every good counselor and every good pastor will do. I started asking questions and I started digging. And as I did, unforgiveness after unforgiveness after unforgiveness just kept coming to the surface. I kept asking questions. I kept digging. And what I found out was this. I found out that there was years of unforgiveness, decades of unforgiveness, going back many, many years. And I have to tell you, my heart broke. I had compassion. I couldn't even imagine the the hurt, the, the pain, the grief, the deep disappointment. And the resulting bitterness from years of unforgiveness. Couldn't even imagine that. And as we talked, in my mind, I realized, I didn't say this out loud, but I realized, there is not one thing I can say that will talk this person out of unforgiveness. Not one thing. It's too deep, it's too painful. I can't do it. I can't talk this person out of unforgiveness. And then the Holy Spirit brought something to my mind. Four words. Four words. Four words that seem more out of place than in any counseling session I've ever been in in my life. Four words came to my mind. I thought, can I really say that? I can't reason with this person. Nobody can really reason with us, can they? So here it is. I just jump right in. These four words came out of my mouth. I looked at this individual and I said, There is a hell. You talk, it was was as quiet in that conversation as it is right here. There is a hell. And there was a breaking point right there. The truth of God's word will break what your counsel cannot break. Oh, there is a hell. And I want to turn my attention to you this morning because this is a subject I think we all deal with. We all battle with. And that is you need to forgive everybody who's ever hurt you about anything Everybody, everything, everywhere. I'm talking all the way across the board. You forgive people. Do you know why? Say it with me. There is 
a hell. That's the reason you do it. Listen, some people hold on forgiveness, hold on to forgiveness like it's a, a dear friend. They don't understand it's a deadly enemy. Not only does it destroy this life, but it, it destroys the one to come. I, I mean, I, 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 know, I know this is strong language. But boy, we, we, we have to do something about this. I, I believe that we as Christians, we as the church of Jesus Christ, have to do what God's Word says do if we want our lives to mean something, if we want to take this county by storm. This is a huge congregation. Uh, uh, so many people here today, but oh, we need to take the message out there. But God's not going to empower us, anoint us, bless us, and use us if we have unforgiveness in your heart. Now, really, this is not a message about unforgiveness. Just an illustration that it doesn't matter what the subject is. If hell is real, we need to take seriously what the Bible says, don't we? And I got to tell you, friends, the thought of you forgiving a person who has hurt you so deeply and violated you may be as radical to you as plucking out your eye and cutting your hand off. But you do it anyway because there is a hell. You do what God's Word says. You don't reason with it. You don't try to figure it out. You obey. You do it. I guarantee you there are marriages right now that aren't happy under the sound of my voice because somebody's still holding unforgiveness. Ah, this is so important. You say, you say Pastor, you're exaggerating uh, the situation. I don't think so. Listen to this. Listen to Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Hold on. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. We'll get to the next verse in just a moment. But if you forgive them, he'll forgive you. How simple, how basic. You see, I'm convinced because I've actually experienced this myself, that that the moment you decide no excuses, no alibis, no reasoning, we put it all behind us because we're not capable of understanding all the dynamics of this. We just know what God's Word says, but the moment you decide, I'll do what God's Word says, and you indiscriminately start forgiving everybody, there's an open channel between you and heaven, a portal, if you please, and heaven's forgiveness begins to flow in your heart and life. Oh, it doesn't just flow to you, it flows through you. It is, it is, it is absolutely beautiful. You forgive them, he forgives you. Actually, I kind of believe that when you get in your Bible and you read your Bible and you start seeing what the Bible says and you start obeying the Bible and you start doing what God's Word says, that you just start forgiving people and God forgives you before you can even ask him. If you forgive men, he'll forgive you. And can I tell you today, can I tell you this morning, church, that our God, our wonderful, loving, amazing grace, God, is 10,000 times more willing to forgive you than we're willing to forgive others. But he won't do it. 
the words of Jesus say, if you forgive uh, them, men, for their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But listen, we should tremble at this. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, read it with me, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is important. Heaven and hell hangs in the balance. This is is what the Word of God teaches. The great Baptist preacher Adrian Rogers used to say this. I heard him say it a long time ago. Every sin you have ever committed will be pardoned in Jesus or punished in hell. Oh, you, you and I will not drag one sin into the glories of heaven. And so what do you do? You get it to Christ. You get it to the cross. I actually think you ask God to forgive you for unforgiveness. And then you, and then you start lavishing that forgiveness on other people. Pardoned in Jesus or punished in hell. I've done some dumb things in my life. Do I have a witness in the house? Yeah. And I don't want to talk about any of them. I know I want to be forgiven. And I know I tremble at the thought of hell. And and you say, well, pastor, don't you know you're saved? I do. I do, but... Does being saved give you an excuse to ignore the Word of God? And is it possible that you could be saved but refuse to forgive somebody? That's a subject for another time. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Oh, friends. Hell. Hell. What if hell? Now, I had, I had a, an experience, uh, an epiphany... Uh, a revelation when I was preparing this message. It, it, was, it, it, it was unbelievable. I'm preparing the message, and to be honest with you, the thought of a soul getting saved just really excites me. Yes? Because I've seen people. I'm looking at some of you right now. I've seen you get right with Jesus, walk down the aisle, give your heart to Jesus, and see uh, joy unspeakable and and, and full of glory. I've seen the transition. And I get excited about that. And I'm sitting at my desk in my office. And I'm typing. And I'm excited about this. And then something happened to me. And I didn't understand what was going on until long after it happened. But I'm sitting there. And I'm typing. And I'm excited. And I'm, I'm, I'm praying and meditating at the same time. And then all of a sudden this, this thing happened to me that just came out of nowhere. And again, I didn't know what God was doing at that moment. But immediately I remembered, it was brought to my mind, I mean like a flashback of a sin way back in my past. And the moment it happened to me, I've just got to tell you, shame came over me. I mean, I I was having so much fun. And then I'm just, oh... Oh, I thought that was under the blood. I thought I'd ask for forgiveness. 
I thought that was done. I thought you remembered our sins no more. And there, there I was with shame. Oh, no. And I got to tell you, listen, I just quit. I forgot about, I forgot, excuse me, but I forgot about whether or not you'd go to hell. <laughs> it's all about me right now. It's all about me. And I bowed my head and I said, God, I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed. And then, and then I did what I always do. I said, Lord, please forgive me. Please. I thought I'd ask you before. I wanted under the blood. I, w- I, I want you to forgive me. And church, listen to me. As the words were coming out of my mouth, the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit swept over me. Those, those Holy Ghost bumps that start at your head and work all the way down to your feet. I had chill bumps on chill bumps. And, 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 and I don't think I've ever gone from shame to wanting to shout as fast in my life. I mean, Lord, just please for, forgive me. Whoo, praise God. This is good. This is good. And then I... And, and, and then I said, Lord, is there anything else back there I need to repent of? Can you bring something else to my mind? It, what else? Lord, I'll repent of it because this feels good. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Listen, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It was just, it was coming all over me. And then the Lord Spoke to my heart. And for the first time I understood what this was about. The Lord said I took you through that. Because I want you to tell my people. That heaven and hell and salvation. Is not that difficult. There's not a lot of red tape in this. You don't have to jump through a lot of hoops. Let me say it again friends. God is. 10,000 times more willing to forgive you than you are to ask him to forgive you. All you got to do. I I mean, the thief on the cross, what do you say? Remember me? That was it. I'm not trying to tell you that, that it's cheap because Jesus paid the eternal price. But it is so easy. All you have to do is just humble yourself and ask God to forgive you. And, and he let this happen to me so I could tell you. Don't get bogged down. Oh, I'm, I want to get right with God, but I don't really understand the Bible. Well, good luck on that one. Because, <laughs> friend, that's not the way it works. You don't have to know it. You don't have to. I, I doubt very seriously the thief on the cross could quote one scripture. But he met the master. He humbled his heart. Please forgive me, Lord. Please have mercy on me. Oh, God, remember me. And the Lord wanted me to tell you, on the heels of a message on hell, that God will hear you. Humble your heart. Genuine repentance. Uh, You can learn the Bible later, and I suggest you do that as fast and as quickly as you can. But you trust in Jesus. And you give your heart to Him. And I want to tell you, friends, He'll bless you right then and there. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And I I do want to say this. 
People all the time say this to me. They say, Pastor, you don't know what that person did to me. Listen to me, church. You don't know how good it feels to forgive somebody and to be forgiven. Oh, there's no drug on planet earth that good. Forgive and be forgiven. Let me close with this. Back in the 1600s, there was a a French mathematician, physicist, inventor, philosopher. Some of you may have studied him. His name was Blaise Pascal. This guy was smart. I mean, way ahead of his time. I mean, some, some amazing stuff. But do you know, one of his most famous quotes is this. You can find it all over the internet. This is what he said. And I'm sure the devil just keeps reproducing this. This is what he said. I would prefer an intelligent hell to a stupid paradise. Poor guy. How could you be so smart? And say something like that. And I'll tell you friends. Intelligence has nothing to do with wickedness. Ah. You can be as intelligent as you want to be. And still be a fool. I would prefer an intelligent hell to a stupid paradise. The poor guy. He didn't get either one of them. Because I can tell you there is no such thing as an intelligent hell. And there is no such thing as a stupid paradise. Oh, friends. Oh. I don't care how, how intelligent you are or anybody else is. Just because you say something doesn't mean it's true. Unless your name is Jesus. And you were born of a virgin. Lived a sinless life. Went to a cruel cross. And died for a sin-sick world. If you're him, then what you say is the truth. He came, lived, and died to deliver us from something that's absolutely beyond our wildest horrors. To deliver us from hell. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Do you know that 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 it's right with your heart and soul? I, did I or some other preacher in this church or some other preacher somewhere else confer salvation upon you? Or did you believe in Him? And did He change everything about you? Did He change your heart? Is there joy in your heart right now? It, this is a good question. Because I've got to tell you, I don't want one person uh, under my ministry to be deceived. I'm telling you, he'd change your heart. He'll give you victory. Change your life. Do you know that you know? And you, you, you may think, well, you, your own forgiveness and your own hell, and which, uh, is this two sermons in one? Which, which, which one are we talking about? I'm telling you, friends, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart for anybody, you get it this altar and you get it right. At least start it right here. 
Sometimes unforgiveness is so deep it takes a long time, but the Lord will lead you out of that quagmire of filth and, and regret and sadness. He'll, he'll lead you out. You get on your knees. You make it right. And you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, you'll never be the same again. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you today. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for truth, whether we like it or not. Thank you for truth, whether it feels good or not. But Father, thank you that you are so ready and willing to forgive us. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Move over this congregation. If there's one person here today not ready to step out into eternity, Lord, Lord, would you, would you call that person as you called me when I was 17 years old? Would, would your Holy Spirit draw them and woo them? Lord, I pray that souls will be saved and lives will be changed today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.